Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre, and today my guest is Tim Newdecker with Keologic. Welcome, sir. So um, we've never had you on the podcast before, which is silly because you, you're one of the uh, FileMaker developers that's been prominent and um, doing awesome stuff for a really long time. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I started with FileMaker. I'm not one of the older guys, but I started back in the early 90s, 91, 92. And my first job out of school, um, hired as a programmer for a manufacturing company. I had never heard of FileMaker. And my employer handed me a box copy of FileMaker Pro and Rich Columbri's book on FileMaker 2. Wow. And I read it over the weekend before day one at the job and came in and started coding. It's a pretty familiar story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was interesting because my first six years of doing FileMaker, I didn't know another FileMaker developer existed. I'm in the middle of Arkansas. Nobody else around me knew what FileMaker was. And then I moved to New York, and I met other FileMaker developers. And I went to the DevCon in Monterey, oh, what was that, 97, I think? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, there's 500 other people who do what I do. This is amazing. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely a good thing, realizing those people exist. So uh, Keologic, what's the, how'd you form that company? And, oh, and well, when, was when that? I moved from Arkansas to New York, that was to work with who is now my business partner, John Mathewson. He was the CEO of an ad agency, and he was doing FileMaker Pro, and the board of directors was getting grumpy that here he is, the CEO of a company, and he's writing software for the company with FileMaker. So they hired me as a FileMaker developer to relieve him of that so he can go back to be a CEO. And... So he's he's a diehard geek, so we became good friends. We're both audio nuts and love our audio equipment. We build our own amplifiers. He is way better at me at electronics and building stuff. I think it's cool but, that you guys build amps. That's another kind of thing we have in common. I've uh, I don't I can't make them from scratch like you guys have, but I've built a few tube amps yeah. for guitars. Oh, it's absolutely fun. And when you turn them on and you go, I built that and it's not flaming and smoking, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's That's a good true. Feeling. Yes, for sure. And then you play through it, listen through it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So John left that company. Um, then when he left, I didn't want to work there if I wasn't working with John. So I left. And a year later, we bumped into each other at DevCon, I think it was Palm Desert, in 2002, 2003. Uh-huh. And we said, hey, you know, we're both doing this FileMaker thing. Why don't we do it together? And so we started Keologic. A year later, we were Platinum FileMaker Partners. I think they were just called FM Partners, and it wasn't Platinum. Right. And we've been rocking for a while. We just moved into new offices. I think we're up to nine employees now, and it's just a hootload of fun. Yeah. So we travel all up and down the East Coast, from Boston down to New York City, and every now and then we dabble into New Jersey. And it's I love it. I love solving people's problems and making them think this isn't so hard. I think you it's know? interesting how after so long of doing that, it it doesn't get old. It actually still really is fun. I mean, I'm in the same boat, and I think a lot of people are. But if you take a look at a lot of other careers, um, a lot of people really just don't feel that way about their work. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You got that. That's the joy of it. You know, I got lucky out of school. Somebody introduced me to something I really liked, and it was a whole lot of fun. It was sure a lot more fun than doing Fortran and. In those days, early C when I started. And, you know, because you could do things so fast and get reactions so fast. You know, the boss could call you in and say, hey, I really need to answer this question, this business problem. 
and an hour later you give them a solution yeah. and it just blows them away. Yep. So yeah, when I was in my, when, in my 30s working on ENIAC, it was just really not like that. <laughs> yeah. Punch cards are a little slow. <laughs> I, I did actually have a job there. Was it punch cards? Yes, I did. I had a job like when I was in high school or something, sorting punch cards for some company that was way just super behind the times. <laughs> um, That's excellent. I didn't, That's excellent. I, I didn't I really get what they were. I just surprised my development staff the other day. We just moved into new offices, so we have a lot more space. So I've been cleaning out my attic at home with my historical archive of geekdom. And I brought in my old Next Station. I, I had a Next Station through college that I use as a college computer. Wow. And um, it ran my first website in 1995. I set it up as a web server at home. But I brought it into the office to show the guys what OS X used to look like. Because it's, it's the beginning. Next Step became OS X. It sure did. And it just blew them away when they got in. Like, this thing is from the late 80s, early 90s, and it's doing all this stuff that we're just getting to today. And it, it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, OS X was a fun. very, very watered-down version of, of the Next Step. Yeah. So, it's, it's uh, but also a lot more refined. Next step was yep. kind of rough. Next step came with SQL servers on it, and you had um, object-oriented programming to interface with those databases. It was really cool. It was really and cool. That wasn't a cube, though. That was the the flat I, one I, with the big. Yep. I have a normal Next Station that I upgraded to a Turbo. It's like a pizza box. Yep. I had um, one of those too, actually. Yeah. 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 It, for the Mac people, it's almost the exact same computer as an old Macintosh 660. If you remember the, um, oh God, what was the, the line? The 660 AV. Oh, yeah. Centris. Uh, Quadra. Yeah. Quadra, the Centris and Quadra yeah, Centris. 650. Mm -hmm. So it's the same CPU. It just has a DSP and all the networking ports built into it that the Mac didn't have. And of course, the next step. Yep. I remember BOS, too, at that time. And oh, yeah. At Macworld, yeah. and they had all the BOS people running, like, ten different videos at the same time. <laughs> that was a great machine, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, let's see. You're going to be doing two sessions at DevCon this year, which is awesome. What are, what are the two uh, topics? Well, the first session I'll be doing is on Tuesday, and that's all about working with big IT. Um, it's to help the FileMaker developer who's been... Working with small companies, you know, doing solutions where you work directly with the owner of the company stuff, and now you've brought in a whale client, um, Ford Motor Company or some large IT company where there's actually an IT department and you have to go through the bureaucracy and all that fun stuff and you, you have a client or champion or sponsor within the company who says, hey, we want FileMaker to solve this problem, and IT goes, no, you don't. And IT wants to take a year to do needs analysis and all this mm -hmm. fun stuff. And by the time they figure it out, they've lost to the market. You know, you should have solved that problem six months ago. And I'm going to be talking about how to work with IT, how to play their game, how to speak their language, and how to make them comfortable with FileMaker. That, that's kind of the main gist of that one. Um, then the second session, I believe it's on the last day of DevCon, and it is a core session on FileMaker calculations. We're not going to get into super complex calculations, but rather we're going to go through a lot of calculations centering on all the standard things a FileMaker developer should know how to do. How do I extract text out of the middle of a block of text? How do I round numbers to the nearest quarter? So say you have like a time clock system, you have to round every 15 minutes on the time clock. Um, date calculations, finding the first day or last day of the month or... What is three months from now versus 90 days from now and the differences with those? Right. So, there's just, birthdays. 
Yeah. All yeah. that kind of fun or stuff. Or age that, from given the date of birth. Yeah, the standard calcs just about every system you're going to have to pull out and do. How to convert a number into text for checkbooks is a very common calculation. And you want to take 100 and put the word O-N-E-100 after it, you know. Sure. I always so just go get a custom function for that. Stuff. <laughs> right, right. But a lot of folks don't realize those custom functions are out there and available. Oh, yeah. And that's the kind of thing we're going to be talking about It's just kind of how to build your toolbox. And if you know what all the functions are, you may not know how to use every one of them all the time. But if you know they're there, you won't try to recreate them. So, and you can learn how to use it when you need it. So we're going to try to go through a lot of functions and talk about what they do, show an example, but we're not going to exhaustively talk about how to use it. I'm going to kind of more expand your toolbox so when you need it, you can go back and learn it on your own. My favorite thing when I teach um, calculations is to uh, to do two things. I, I use the data viewer as like the main area that I'm showing it because you can you can calc- you can evaluate them right mm-hmm. now against live data. Yep. And I also really heavily use the let function really early on and show people that. And um, and I use it to sample. So if you've got an equation that's four parts at the top, you know, four things you're defining, and then you have a case statement at the bottom, you first need to make sure that the four things that you're actually setting are what you think they should be. And so you've got the space in between the top and the bottom of the let function, <clears throat> uh, or in the middle, basically. Um, where you can sample each of your four variables before you start in your case statement. I don't know, probably not describing it very well. but <laughs> No, no that's, that's correct, I think. Because, yeah, we will go over the let function in detail. But actually, instead of the data viewer, during this session, I've made a sample file that will be included with the slides where I use the evaluate function. So I've made a database where there's a field for the calculation and then fields for all the data input. And it's basically a database that mimics the monitor. So you can search for functions, find all the calculations that use that function, and see all the examples in the file. And this file grew from my training internally teaching developers for certification tests. It's become a library of about 100 calcs that we study for the certification test. And that's going to be the core of the exam. We're going to go through those functions, and then folks can take that home and add their own functions to it as they work. I like that. So that that's what we'll be working with. That sounds fun. So I yeah. want to talk to you a little bit about um, a project as well, I mean, one that ties in nicely to your work with IT. I work with uh, uh, I, a large IT departments on several things, and uh, sometimes those interactions go really well, but I think it's I, – I like your points of stressing, talking their language, and kind of working within their system um, – it's it's difficult for me not to say this particular phrase, which is, you know, FileMaker is Apple's database. You know Apple, that company that's bigger than Microsoft and Oracle combined? <laughs> Careful. I see people look at you like, huh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I go, if that's well, the case, why haven't I heard about it? Or <laughs> Right, right. Well, we have to remember things, things when we talk about working with IT – Things have changed a lot in the last 20 years, and a lot of FileMaker developers have been working in FileMaker almost that long. And IT department guys, the ones who are up at the VP level, the heads, information officers and such, they've been in the industry that long as well. So they might have bad memories of FileMaker from the FileMaker 3 and 4 days. Sure. Or even the 7, 8 days when we had all kinds of stability problems and corruption. And so... 
a large part of it is teaching them about the new world of FileMaker. You know, hey, look, we're Windows certified. You know, we sell more seats than Microsoft sells of access, all those kind of good things. Um, all the security that's come into play plays well with all the data breaches going on, encryption at rest, all those good things. Right. Um, but IT, while may misunderstand FileMaker, I think a lot of FileMaker people misunderstand IT. Um, they think IT's purpose and existence is to help the company stay ahead of technology and roll out new things and install all the latest updates and programs. And in reality, IT is much more like the finance department. While the finance department controls the money, their job is not to write checks for everything the business wants to do. Their job is to guard the money and make sure that the money's being used wisely and they're not putting themselves at risk. Well, that's what IT does. They they guard the information and they make sure some technology is not going to come in and rock the boat and break things. That's why you'll hear, hey, why should we do this update? It doesn't give us anything. Why should we rock the boat and risk changes to our network? So that's why you'll find a lot of companies still running XP because it works. They trust it. They know how to deal with it. Right. Even though it's got and huge security holes, they know exactly, exactly what they all are. Exactly. And so a lot of people think, gee, why does your IT not want to embrace new technology? Well, that's not really their job to embrace new technology. You know, their job is to protect the information and protect how the company works and to make sure they can keep working. I have a so, client still on XP. That's that's a pretty, it's a kind of a deal breaker. <laughs> it is with the new FileMaker. Yep. Um, a lot of the banks we work with are finally rolling up the Windows 7 now from XP. And that, that's been really hard for them because of a Java point of view. They're having to leave Microsoft Java behind. And a lot of their apps written to talk to Oracle and that kind of thing don't work in the new Sun Javas. They're having to rewrite those apps. And that's what's been holding them back. But now they're all finally getting to Windows 7. Um, I don't even dare talk about Windows 10 to them. But they can run the newest FileMaker, so that's great. Well, new to them is 13. Most of the large IT companies I work with have a flat rule to stay one major VREB behind. So now that 14's out, we're moving them to 13. So that, that's been real nice. It means I can still code in 14, but I have to remember users are still in 13. Yep. I so. do that too. I, I code in 14 even for my clients that are deployed on 12 and 13. Yeah. yeah. And I just love 14. don't use the new stuff. That's sad, I but you know. It. I love it. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Then the efficiency of the new uh, script workspace is kind of amazing. Oh, it is. It <laughs> just, is. It's just writing like long, complex scripts and never taking your fingers off the keyboard. Thank it's you. It's great. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. So, um, so this client um, that you recently yeah. did, it was a like a, some particular IT challenges, or yeah, we we've that's actually been a client of ours for twelve years or so, and it's a large TV network. And needless to say, they are owned by an even larger company. And it was the first time I'd ever really worked with large IT. And I had no idea going in there what to do. You know, I had one employee working for me as a developer. And we would go in and try to code on their live files, and IT would go ballistic. And that's where we learned uh -huh. the golden rule of IT, not coding on live files. And in effect, they taught us how to work with IT. Um, that's where I learned all about having a development server, a testing server, and a production server. Um and that totally changed our world, but it also forced us to learn how to migrate code and writing migrators, which I believe there's another session at DevCon all about how to write migrator files. Huh. Um, there's Goya's FM refresh that helps you move data from one set of files to another. 
you know, in the old days, you would save clones of all your files, reset the serial numbers, import all records, put the new files live. Yikes, yes, I did that. Yeah, and I don't care if it's a small system or a big system, I always made a mistake. I would swap digits in a serial number, and all of a sudden, the next day, accounting department's making invoices with duplicate numbers, or yeah. I would forget to do a show all records in one table and miss half of the payments. You know, evil things like that. Yep. And when you learn that you can script all of that, you can test the script, you know, just as you test the code. And then the other joy that comes when you do that is you don't have to do the migration. So Big IT says, you know, well, you learn about PRBs, uh, process review boards. No, no code goes live until the board of directors signs off on it. Um, basically a big cover-your-ass meeting. Sure. Um, you go in with the project manager, and you review the feature list and the release notes. Um, you show all of the signed-off testing that your testers did to say, yes, this will go live. And you talk about what you'll do if the migration fails. You know, hey, we'll go back to a backup. All mm -hmm. that kind of fun stuff. And they bless you to go live. But then they say, okay, you're going to do this migration Sunday at 3 a.m. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and if you're the filemaker developer and you're not scripting that, you have to do that. But if you're scripting it, the IT department can do it. In the last eight years, I haven't had to do a code go live. We write the migration script, we give it to IT, they drop the files in a folder, they hit a button, and they're doing it on their time. You're not there, and it's already tested, so you know it works, and it's great. No more three a.m.s, and you still get the bill for the migration because you got to write the migration functions and do it. So, you know, you're not losing work, but you're working on your time, and you're able to test the work. It's it's the best of both worlds, and it's repeatable, which is great. So if IT has a problem, you know, oh, if the hard drive crashed in the middle of it, okay, no problem. Get your new hard drive next week. You hit the button, do it again. So it's really great. And so we learned a lot about that from them. Um, we also learned to work with their project managers and the roles within the client. So, so you have a, a sponsor or um, a champion, somebody within the company who wants you to come solve a problem. And typically the IT department bills internally other departments. So if they were to go to IT and say, hey, could you write us a program that does X, Y, Z, IT makes a bid, an offer to do it. So they still had to go to their IT department. Their IT would say, yeah, we'll do this in .NET or Access or whatever their tool of choice is. Uh -huh. And we'll take six months to do a needs analysis and then a year and a half to write it, and it'll cost you $200,000. Right. And that's you know, internal budget money. It's, I don't know if you consider that real money, but then you can come in as a FileMaker developer and say, I'll do that for you in a month for twenty grand," And they definitely want to work with you then. But well, the you have I, to yeah, prove maybe you have to yeah you have to prove to IT though that you could really do it for twenty grand. That's you know and that's learning their language, proving to them that it's reliable, it plays well on their network. They don't have to set up a weird server. And I also learned a big thing when you install FileMaker server, don't call it a FileMaker server. It's an application server. Oh. Okay, huh. because if you say database server or FileMaker server, they don't know what that is. I mean, database server, they know what it is, and they'll think a SQL server. And you want to kind of get the word FileMaker out of it and call it, you're writing an application, and this is a server for your application you're deploying. And then they won't know what that application is, so they will ask you to write documentation. How do we reboot it? How do we install updates? How do we maintain it? And because if you say it's a 
database server, they'll think SQL Server or Oracle. And then they and think they start. need a way bigger box than what yeah. they want. Yeah, well, not only that, but they'll think about backups differently. They'll try taking disk images. You know, they'll try to back up live files. They'll start talking to you about replication. You, you set off all these keywords with them, and you don't want to do that. So you say it's an application, and they understand right away it's special, and you can hand them the FileMaker white paper on how to properly set up the hardware and configure things. And it just works much better when you speak the right language with them. So we learned a lot of that with them. Hmm. So, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then it's really hard as a developer not to go near those live files and code. You know, it's really hard to say, hey, I can only code on the development box. They test on the testing box, and I can't code on the testing box. And that's hard. That's real hard. No, well, I mean, it, it depends upon the size of the application. If you're writing an mm-hmm. application for five people, <clears throat> I think you can probably convince IT that, there's one server and it's, you know. Yeah, yeah. But but they lose a lot of their, for lack of a better term, cover their butt stuff, where they go through the PRB boards, they get all the documentation with release notes and feature sets, because they like to show that to the higher-ups and say, hey, here are all the releases we've done and the new features, and here's who they've helped, who's asked for them, you know, who's controlling the budget. And it, it goes a lot into playing the politics. But the other cool thing, when you're working with these big ITs, it's not like, oh, God, i got to do all this extra work. Bill for it. You get the bill for it. <clears throat> That's what's great about it. It's all part of the game. When you're dealing with big IT, usually a third to half the budget is project management. I get that. It's not just, just skill uh, of coding. I'd much rather do the coding. Yeah, yeah, so very it, true, it, yeah. very true. But you got to play the game if you want the big clients, you know? you got to play their game, and they're willing to pay for it. I mean, ask them what they're paying their .NET development company or their Oracle Java developers. You mm-hmm. know, they're paying a lot more per hour, and they're doing just as many hours. Yeah, that's true. Well, probably five to ten times as many hours for the same yeah. project. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I actually had one of these, those, this large IT client, one of the project managers, pulled me off to the side, and it's like, why do you charge so little? You know, and this was 10 years ago when the FileMaker rate was around 120, 130. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, our developers from India who are doing the Oracle SAP stuff are at 300 an hour. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, time to raise our rates. <laughs> you know, and IT really didn't care about the pricing too much. You know, it was mostly, will it be reliable? Because this is for a TV network. These databases actually did on-air work. Oh, wow. Feeding feeding graphics to on-air engines, vertical graphic engines that would put little lower third text and logos and all, you know, here's what's coming up next hour, that kind of stuff. All that data is coming out of FileMaker, and the control room that broadcasts on-air is talking to FileMaker, getting that data. So there was a lot of cover-your-butt because if graphics screwed up, advertise the wrong thing, put a logo over text during an ad that, you know, you screwed up that ad, you don't get paid for that ad. People get fired when the program screws up. Right. So, and then also it becomes best of YouTube videos uh, 10 years later. Yeah. And so you're <laughs> highly motivated to make sure all your bugs are worked out before it goes live. And they are highly motivated not to let anything into their broadcast control rooms that they don't trust. So you really had to learn to play their games to work with them. Very important. So, it, it Yeah, was, that makes sense. A, I mean, I've done some work a, in other kind of high-stress environments like that where the, where uh, reliability is paramount, you know, life right. and death type stuff. Right. And kind of medical accounting. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, very important. Um, another thing we had to learn how to do was write documentation. As a FileMaker developer, I never wrote any documentation. The program changed too fast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like by the time I documented, it was obsolete. Well, now we're working on slower development cycles. We're biting off more work per development cycle instead of ad hoc coding. Mm-hmm. But all the IT departments have help desks, and the help desks don't know FileMaker, and you don't want them to know FileMaker. You want them to know the application. So you name your application. You have the department name it. This is Super Program Rat or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. And you write documentation for the help desk. It says, hey, if somebody calls in and they can't get in, go through these steps. Do you have the current version of FileMaker installed? Can you see the test file on the server? How do you add the host to your server? What happens if you don't see that file on the server? Okay, who do I call to find out why that file's missing from the server or whatever they are? And you have to write these scripts out for them, and they won't ask you for them. But if you do them, they will be very appreciative, and it will make the application more successful. So because if you don't like if the help desk doesn't like it, all they do, they start racking up tickets, and every ticket has the name of that system on it. IT is not going to like that system. Yeah. You know, so if you can write scripts and they know how to solve those problems, they don't get elevated to the next level of tech support. They're always put down to user error and stuff. That's a great thing. You know, and you give them scripts on how to reboot the server if there's a power outage or how to install updates and properly stop the server. Because you can give them the white paper that tells them to do it, but they don't know how to do it. Yeah. You know, that's why I'd love to see a FileMaker certification for server admins, for the IT departments, where they can go in. They don't have to learn how to program, but it shows they know how to install server. They know how to change ports. They know how to do proper backups. They know how to stop, start, and do OS updates. They know how to host files and take files down. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be great if there was a FileMaker database admin certification. You know, not a developer certification. Yeah, and, and an associated cool. training, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, FileMaker Lite. Well, you know. No matter user training and user certification. I know how to do finds and sorts, you know. Come to think of it, <laughs> it would actually be a really good, just a training course that I don't think I've seen. Hmm. Just That's a, a great d- idea. Because I haven't seen that yeah. offering. Yeah. I've, I've always thought about doing training. I've never always been scared to put my foot into it, so... That that might be a good doorway. I've started pretty recently. Well, I guess I've been training for a lot of years, but uh, really intentionally offering three, four, five uh, training classes a year. I did a, a three-day training last week. Okay. And is this FileMaker professional training series you're doing, like with the actual FileMaker Blessed materials? Yeah, we use the FileMaker Blessed materials. Um, it's really difficult to teach that five-day certification class that FileMaker likes. There's not a lot of that. That's less useful to a lot of people. <clears throat> so okay. I find like a, a two, three, or four-day class focused on a beginner, intermediate, or advanced kind of you know try to get students in one area. Those tend to be better. Okay. And so use the abbreviated thing. Um, yeah, you know, provide certificates. and. Have you gone through the new 14 training materials? They just came out last week, and yes. I haven't really looked at them yet. Um, yes, I had a beta copy of the earlier version of it, and that's what we used for this class was a lot of that. Great. Yeah, I, Great. I do it a little bit more. Well, this class was fairly small. There was seven people. And um, I, I try to really tailor it to the, to the needs of the people in the room and make sure that each of them gets direct attention and mm-hmm. not cover things that they don't really care about. <laughs> like, for example, none of these people were going to be administrating their own server. So in this particular case, I didn't need to cover any of that. None of them had 
uh, ESS type stuff that they're trying to do. So I didn't uh-huh. cover any of that. I focused instead on on like interface, and we did a, uh, spent half a day on FileMaker Go and WebDirect, and wow. um, yeah, talked about huh. you know perform script on server. Some of the more you know, uh, <clears throat> may, maybe to the exclusion of of covering super in detail how to do calculations. Like for example, your calculation. We didn't. Sometimes in class, we'll actually go over and describe the functions of fifty or a hundred. Calculation functions. You'll put everybody to sleep. <laughs> um, true. Even you like think in your head, oh, this is super important. You should know what these are. Instead, I covered like five and said, there's a couple hundred. Um, uh, this is kind of how you interact with them, and these are the different parts of how they work. It's really important that you know they exist. And so, if you have a th- something you're trying to do, you can go look at them, and you should go look at the list, and you know. Cool. Now, you mentioned they weren't going to use server. Well, they're probably using server, but they're not administering the server. Right. I've, I've just ran into a very small client that's like three users, and they were still using peer-to-peer serving with FileMaker 5. Wow. And it, it, it was horrifying to me. The files were recovered. I can't tell you how many times. You know, use the old metadata magic and got these horror stats from the files. Yep. What? What are your thoughts on peer-to-peer serving? Because we can still do that with FileMaker 14. I have these real mixed emotions. I would love to see it go away and disappear just because I know it causes problems when people do it wrong and they crash and they damage their files and they blame FileMaker. Well, there is no right way. Right. It's, because, it's horrible. You know, I, I, FileMaker 14 from time to time will crash, right, mm-hmm. on, the, on the client. Yeah, yeah. And if you've got users connected to you... That's a potential right yeah. there for, for database corruption. Yeah. yeah. If you're connected to a server and you crash, 99.9999 times out of 100, you're not going to cause any kind of corruption. Yeah. I so, can remember the last time I had to recover a file. I mean, it was back in the FileMaker early 12 days, 13, yeah. 14. No. I haven't had to use the recover command on a good file in a long time. By bad file, I mean something from the FileMaker 5, 6 days that's been converted up and brought damage with it. Oh, that's but, yeah. I thought it mostly didn't do that. I thought it rewrote the file when it crossed over. Yeah, but I think you can still get bad layout elements and things like that, or bad or corrupted records. Yeah, and those kind of things that crash. But where I was headed with the because I've been thinking about this peer to peer serving. You know, it's like, gee, as a developer, best practice, I'd like to see it go away. Me too. But I think it sells a lot of FileMaker. You know, server's expensive, and if a three-person shop can get in and share with the person next to them, and all of a sudden they have a multi-user spreadsheet, they can get a lot of work done while not reliable and damaging it. It kind of opens up departments within these big companies say, hey, look, FileMaker solved this problem. Maybe we should look to do it right. But here's what you do. When you take that pro- – well, here's what I do anyway. When okay. I take that project on, um, I convert from their old system – I put the file on my FileMaker server. Bingo. I, I charge them money for hosting, or I set them up a hosting account on ODI. Um, and then I say, just leave your file here. It's 15 20 bucks a month, whatever hosting. Um, you get backups. You can log onto the admin console mm-hmm. and get a backup of your file whenever you need to. You can access it when you're at home. You can use it from FileMaker yeah. Go. You can build a web direct solution. These are all things you cannot do. If you have it running on mm-hmm. peer-to-peer, or and you don't have to buy and manage your own server. But where I'm torn on that, it's a wonderful solution. That's exactly what we do. 
But where I'm torn is, would we have met that client if peer-to-peer did not exist? Would they have been able to solve their problem? Because they don't know what a server is, and they're not going to spend thousands of dollars to test it and try it out. Would they have solved their problem and said, hey, we want to do this better. Let's call in Matt to improve our program. And then all of a sudden, Matt solves their hosting problem as well. It eliminates that whole route into learning about FileMaker and making it successful for the the small department. Remember the old ad campaign for FileMaker? Yeah. I'm a beer brewer right. and a database developer. You know, right. it's, it's starting to become a real development environment in IDE. Look at all the great stuff we have in FileMaker 14. Just for developers, that's you know, true. And it, it's where are we closing the door on the ease of entry, while not stable, but still there, and it gets new blood into the program and new potential clients. I can't remember the last time that I had a customer that I started working with who was actually using peer to peer. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was so shocked to see it. You know, you go in this three person office, but they've been doing it for fifteen years. You know. <laughs> Right, it right, wasn't right. a new thing to them. So all the new customers that I've been getting lately that are uh, that had previously used FileMaker had like their own server, which they didn't need. And so when I sell them licenses, I'm like, well, you should really just don't buy server. You know, mm-hmm. you're running a really old box. Just use hosting. It'll save you a bunch of. Will save you some money on licensing for sure. It'll save you a lot of hassle in the uh, expense of the server hardware, and especially if they're Windows, a server operating system. Um, and plus, I, I just don't like deploying Mac servers as much as I love Macs. It just, <laughs> you know, I would way rather have a, a virtualized server. Are you using cloud services for your hosting, or do you have a physical box somewhere that you put stuff on? Are you using Rackspace or Amazon or I have these a, virtual um, hosting companies? Um, I, I have a virtual server at ODI. I've looked at the okay. other hosting companies, and that could be a really good way to do it, like in Amazon, but then I kind of have to have my own. Then I have to be sort of my own really genius uh, Windows guy, <laughs> and I'm really not. Yeah. So um, ODI uh, from is my choice. I've, I've worked with a lot of different hosting guys, but um, Joey just totally understands all the ins and outs of making a FileMaker server work perfectly. Oh, wow. And he um, he can spin up a virtual instance, and you can get a dedicated server for not a whole lot more than the core Amazon price. And cool. he runs everything on his own hardware. So he'll have a you know $60,000 server in several different places in the world. Nice. Um, and he knows, he, he says, if you're doing this, you need this much RAM, this much hard disk, this much this. All the indexing and backups are, are turned on correctly. All the services that you don't need in Windows are turned off. Um, and otherwise, you have to do all that stuff for yourself if you're using Amazon or Rackspace. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And they, they and Amazon and Rackspace don't know what FileMaker is, so if you have trouble, you are definitely exactly so if, it yourself. Exactly. So if you if you come across something that you don't understand, what are you going to do? And so for all the stuff that's the normal day to day stuff, you can deal with. So for for my money, having Joey uh, is is a huge uh, benefit. Cool. He and I are also really good cool. friends. I think from having worked together on so many um, hosting clients over the years, but. Um, well, plus so, he's just so a, you're, he's just you're a able guy. to call Joey on the Fourth of July and get him out of the barbecue to help you have a problem. What about the average user? What do they do? Well, uh, I think they he has a um, a support network 
He has mm-hmm. a support, like support staff. And on the 4th of July, I think there's actually a mechanism where any of his customers could reach him if oh, it really wow. comes down to it. That's great. I mean, they don't have his cell phone, maybe, but he has, right. like, a, a live chat thing and, you know. Yeah, we, we started doing <clears throat> hosting at Keologic a couple years ago. And we only host solutions we create or solutions we support that we've picked up with our clients. So it's kind of an add-on. We don't advertise ourselves. We don't Mm -hmm. take any random Joe's file and host it. Specifically because I don't know how I support the random person I don't know. If I don't know their solution and what they're doing with their files, how do I make my server reliable? And also, they don't know how to get a hold of me. All my clients have my cell phone and home number. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. they have a problem, you know, they can get me any time. You have a home number? That's oh, well, my cell phone now. I'm actually getting rid of the home number. It was an old VoIP one. So, but they know how to get me 24 seven if they need. And I don't know what I would do if I had a thousand people that I don't know using my servers. Exactly. To do stuff that that's just uh, I'm really impressed. These folks can do that and it works. Well, I think what he does is um, he he has monitoring. Actually, it's really funny that we had. <clears throat> I can't remember what was going on. I think maybe the the server there's problems with server 14. The server um, admin console crashes from time to time. So you log into the admin yep. console and it tells you there's users logged on, but they're not. Cool. So they actually, you know, it's given you information that's really stale. And okay. if you try to close the database, it just doesn't respond. So the way to fix it is you go to terminal and you restart the admin console, the admin server. Yep. You know, FMS admin restart admin server. Um, and then 30 seconds later, if you log back into this and everything works fine. So the server never goes down. The databases are always working. But I've had to do that three or four times now on my 14 server. Huh, I have not restarted it via the command line, but probably once a week I get a random error message saying that it it restarted the admin service itself. Hmm. Okay. It said it stopped responding and it rebooted it. And I log in, everything looks fine, and I just kind of ignore it. Hmm, that's, so I, I didn't know I could do that. That's causing good. That. Yeah, I haven't either. I think that's. Uh, uh, I'm guessing that there's a bug that FileMaker is identifying, and hopefully there will be a VREV that addresses that. Yeah. Well, we're approaching the three-month period. Don't we usually get our first VREV soon? Oh, yeah. So hopefully it should be out. It used to be there would be a VREV right after release, but that's when they were printing CDs, and they'd have to go Golden Master, you know, three months before to produce the CDs before the release date. Oh, yeah. Now that it's all electronic, they can, you know, be building copies, I guess, up until they say, okay, download it. I, I thought it was funny uh, um, to finish this little story. I was actually out on a motorcycle ride with Joey, and we're sitting at a cafe somewhere. <laughs> and I get a couple of urgent calls from people, and um, and I'm like, well, I'm right here with Joey. Let's see if we can take a look at this. And I didn't have any technology. I had my phone with me. I'm not going to – there's no way I can do anything. But he takes a little iPad out of his motorcycle bag <laughs> and in, like, a few seconds logs on and does what needs to get done, and we are on with our ride. Wow. It was really funny. That is amazing. I mean, 10 years ago, you would not have thought about that, or even doing it on your phone. Yeah, true. I mean, what was it? It was probably 2003, 2004. I got a Palm Trio. No, it was later. It was probably around 2005. I got a Palm Trio, and it was just amazing that I could do email with it. It had a 28.8 modem built into mm-hmm. it, and that was just revolutionary to me. I could be on a train into New York City plug the USB cable or serial cable into my phone and I could get on dial-up. You know, I was like, whoa, look at this. I'm doing email on a train. Yeah. 
now find me a 13-year-old who doesn't have email in his back pocket but thinks it's old-fashioned, you know? That's true. Says, yeah, no, they don't you, really you need to be using this texting program. <laughs> yeah. They're it's, they're it's all amazing. Instagram, not not yeah. Facebook and email, amazing. please. <laughs> amazing. And FileMaker has been around even longer than that and it's still strong. That's true. I mean, that's it's we've changed with times. I I would love to see built-in SMS messaging. And maybe more reliable email integrating. I think it's probably more Microsoft problems or problems with email. Yeah. But it's just amazing. It's still going. So. Yeah, and actually, it really seems to be getting stronger. I mean, despite, uh, you know, there's been definitely some changes at FileMaker Inc. in various different departments, but the product itself, the thing that actually really matters, I couldn't be happier with 14. Oh, it's rock solid, and they're they're building off that big change when they went to seven. That's and true. And it's yeah. it's just been since that day. It's just been a whole new product. I mean, I, I almost consider from six to seven a whole new product. Oh yeah, know? so true. It's it's absolutely amazing. So what what do you think we're going to see in the future? I mean, FileMaker doesn't give us any kind of roadmap. They don't tell us where we're headed. But There's been a plethora of interesting uh, rumors circulating lately, and. Uh, and some of them are interesting, but I but but some of them are rumors I've actually heard in the past that never happened. So okay. I, I take all of them, yeah. all of the stuff I'm hearing at the moment I'm taking with a grain of salt. Yeah, and yeah. we only have to wait a month and we'll see what they say at DevCon. So oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Now okay, I have something to talk about on DevCon. What's the deal with the dinner party slash attendee get together being after DevCon? <laughs> is there a backstory to that? Why is that happening? I hadn't heard about that. If, about if you why look at or the schedule, yeah. I mean, it's after the closing session. Usually, people are bringing their suitcases to the closing session to get back to work to pay the bills. Yeah, right. And so, you know, I added an extra day onto the trip just so I can hang for that and have fun that evening. I'm actually going to be in Vegas for eight days. Oh wow! I've got um, uh, there's another from- conference that's happening. Just before DevCon, that I'm going to be going to in Vegas, like Technology? at the next at, at the ho- next hotel away. No, like a um, a critical thinking conference, like my other one of my other little hobbies. Um, and uh, so I'll be going to that, and then I'm helping with uh, Chris Uplight's doing a training, like that ninety nine dollar one day training, which is an incredibly good deal. Um, and I'm going to be helping uh, him with that. I haven't heard of that. What, tell me more about that. Well, $99 for eight hours of training for Yeah, Chris? yeah. So they do... That's incredible. Yeah, I think there's actually going to be several classes going on at the same time. Him and three other people are going to be teaching. and But you can just basically, for all the people who are attending DevCon, they could, they could add on one day of training and then pick which course they were going to go to. Wow, what kind of courses are there? I mean, this is not introductory level stuff. Is yeah, this yeah. There was one of them that's like an introductory level, level. Then there was. I didn't look at which courses they were, but um, uh, I'll and be helping be to direct people to the right one. Okay. I'm not going to be teaching, but okay. um, wow. Yeah, it's a. I you know I had the same reaction like that you're having right now when I found out about it, and then he pointed out that they've been doing this every year for a long time. So I think it's just kind of a a well kept secret. But <clears throat> adding on, you know, it's a, it's a a great value when you think about DevCon being, you know, over a grand, and then yeah. you can add on an, one whole extra day of a dedicated FTS trainer by a A list trainer like Chris Opelite. Yeah, um, it's a. It's really, really a great value. So, 
That's cool. That is cool. Huh. And then, of course, the Developer Cup Challenge is going to be interesting this year. <laughs> that was so much fun last year. It really was. It really was. Now, now with Matt gone, you're the other Matt, Matt O'Dell. Matt O'Dell, yeah. You're, you're, you're taking over the reins? So he, Matt O'Dell and I were talking uh, before he'd left, and I was offering my help, and he had asked me to emcee it. But uh, then he left FileMaker and went on to Greener Pastures. Um, he got another really cool job at an um, uh, online training company doing cool. some stuff there. So he's kind of you know getting out on the ground floor on a, a fun a new venture. Um, so me and Mark Baum are going to be doing the uh, Developer Cup. And it's going to be quite different so there will be um there will be four challenges that will be less intensive than last year and three trivia rounds with actually some super geeky tech trivia plus also some like filemaker history and some other stuff awesome um, where oh, the, i'm looking where, forward to that where the contestants will play sort of alongside and against the audience is this like who's smarter than a fifth grader kind of against no, the No, not, not quite like that. But the, but the way that I'm trying to see it happening is um, so the the contestants will all be playing the, the trivia round and have five minutes to answer these questions. Um, and then all of their scores will be shown as they finish the, the questions. Everybody in the audience will also be playing the exact same questions for that round. And all of their scores will be up. So the top people in the audience will be will have scores against the people, the contestants. Oh wow! Which I think wow. will be interesting. So, so are we allowed to use our second brains when we come? You'll bring our phones and our uh, iPads and our Googles, or or is this going to be uh, what's really in our noggins? I thought about that, but if internet, you know, like internet reliability, is a key thing, right? There could be several hundred people in the room. And if internet goes down and it causes the challenge to not happen, we're very scared of that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. But I, you know, ideally, what I really wanted to try to make happen was a was a challenge that was like, okay, for this challenge, go find whatever thing you need on the internet. If you need to go find a custom function or buy a plugin or do whatever you want to do, um, you've got ten minutes to use the internet to do that or whatever. But I think okay. we decided not to do that this for this challenge. I can understand that. Whenever I demo, I rarely demo live. I, I live on screenshots. Because if something can go wrong, it will go wrong while somebody important is watching. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Although, I think recovering from it, it's kind of like with music, right? The, uh, the art of playing music is recovering from mistakes. <laughs> Don't that's, let them know it was a mistake. That's what, yeah, that's what <laughs> jazz is. If you, if you hit a wrong note, do it again and call it jazz. <laughs> it's a little more difficult than classical. It jumps right out there. Yeah, people have heard it before. That's true. Excellent, it? excellent. Oh, well, that sounds fun. I'm looking forward to Developers Cup. I've registered last week. I don't know if I've been selected again. I hope I am because I, I want to get that title. Second place was pretty bitter last year. Mm, selections aren't so. done, so. Cool. Coming soon. I think the, what day are they due? Oh, any day now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Tim, it's always great to chat with you. Thanks very well, much thank for you. your time today. I, I enjoyed it. 